Hello, you're listening to Wonder Talks with Ronnie. I'm Ronnie. Come join me as I talk about everything Wonder Woman and women in comics. Sit back and relax and remember to stay wonderful. Hello and welcome to today's episode. I'm Ronnie and you're listening to Wonder Talks with Ronnie. In this episode, I have a guest. His name is John and we discuss Wonder Woman, her impact in the LGBT community. Let's dive in. Okay, we're recording. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, thank you, Ronnie. I'm delighted to uh, delighted to be here. I'm glad. I'm surprised. Like the thing when I started this podcast, I didn't think anybody would want to be on it, but people actually just, want to hear what you have to say. So, and I'm I'm just delighted to have an opportunity to talk about Wonder Woman and how much I love her. So, thank you for having me on and responding. You know, when I offered to to come on and talk about her. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm glad. <laughs> so my first question is so you wrote an article in GCN about Wonder Woman and how she influenced you to be a proud gay man how was writing the article like uh well yeah so um that was back in 2017 um so I I, I live in Dublin in Ireland and GCN Gay Community News is a sort of community magazine uh, that is uh, produced uh, within the gay community. So it's a print magazine and they also have a website, which is where I sent you the link to the article. Yeah. And I knew that I was, I had some connections, uh, some knowledge and connections with the magazine already. And when the new movie was coming out in 2017, they kind of approached me and said, would you, would you be interested in writing a little piece about the, about the movie? And, and we know you're a fan, maybe you could talk a little bit about the character, et cetera, given that she, you know, she has a lot of roots within the community and it's, it's seen as a bit of a gay icon as well. Um, and I said, sure, it was, a, it was a nice opportunity for me to, to really explore a little bit about, uh, you know, why I love the character so much and, and talk a little bit about the, the new movie. You know, I hadn't seen the movie when I wrote the article, so I was kind of going on what I'd seen and what I'd read and, you know, my hopes for the film. Um, maybe I'd have written a slightly different piece once I saw the movie. Uh, but it was essentially my love of the uh, of the character and where that started from. So it was a really great opportunity to uh, to introduce other people. I've always I've always kind of said, you know, that I was a fan of Wonder Woman when she wasn't cool, when it wasn't cool to be a fan of Wonder Woman. Um, yeah. So it was really nice. It was really nice to kind of share that with people in a you know on a on a sort of a bigger stage in a, in a magazine article. So I was absolutely delighted to be asked and. Uh, uh, I really loved writing the, writing the article. So, uh, yeah, I sent you the link to it and it's still available online if people want to watch, uh, if people want, want to read it. But it was essentially an article about, um, you know, how I believed Wonder Woman had made me a kind of better gay, gay guy um, just through who she was and how she's inspired me. Oh, wow, that's great. I like that. <laughs> so what's your opinion on Linda Carter? 
oh, what is my opinion? How can you have any other opinion on uh, Linda Carter other than that pretty much everything that I think that's happened with the character since that show is because of Linda Carter. I think we wouldn't be talking about Wonder Woman in the same way that we're talking about her now if that show with Linda Carter hadn't have happened. Um, I agree. She she embodies that character, um, not just in her interpretation in the role back in the 70s, but in everything that Linda does now. Uh, you know, her, her advocacy, her just her humanity and her kindness and her love and her, you know, affinity and affection for the character still. Um, I think it's it, it's just incredible. You know, people talk about there's often you know, with superhero movies and you know superhero TV shows. There's always a lot of talk about casting and whether people have got it right. But I genuinely think that with Linda Carter, there, yeah. there hasn't been any any kind of casting of a superhero so perfect. Perhaps you know perhaps Christopher Reeve as Superman aside, I think Linda Carter is probably the most perfect uh, casting of any superhero character ever. She literally looks like she stepped off the comic book page. Um, yeah, she does. And just embodied the spirit of the character, and she got it so clearly. And um, you know, I think as Wonder Woman fans, you know, we have a lot to thank Linda Carter for. We'll always be indebted to her for sort of carrying that torch and, and ensuring that you know Wonder Woman survived generations. Because you have to remember, I suppose, at the time, you know, the Wonder Woman comic back in those days wasn't like a massive seller. You know, she was always kind of, despite being one of the sort of trinity, the the, the, the three big uh, superhero well-known characters, her book didn't sell in you know in those sort of huge numbers around that time of the tv show um so linda really really did bring wonder woman to a bigger audience to a bigger stage that was then reflected back in the comic books at the time so when she was playing uh, uh wonder woman in the in the first season when it was set in the 40s the comic book realized they had an opportunity to cash in on that and set the uh the stories back in in world war ii and then when it switched to the 70s and seasons two and three they kind of switched that back again so they were well aware at the time of the impact that show was having I, I don't think anybody would have thought we'd still be talking about this show 40 years later but here we are so i think linda's um interpretation and her portrayal of the character yeah. is is as is as important as any other uh, uh point of Wonder Woman's history and I think it's probably the pivotal thing that means we are still talking about Wonder Woman in the way that we talk about her today. Yeah another thing I noticed about Linda Carter is that she she basically started she was a stepping stone for many generations of women on TV afterwards. Absolutely now I you know I have a confession I'm, I'm not I, I wasn't necessarily aware of what else was on television at the time I yeah. was born I was born in 1976, so my memories of that kind of era of television are really only kind of what was around in, in, in sort yeah. of reruns. But you're right, absolutely right. You know, at the time, you know, um, women weren't, they weren't lead, they certainly weren't leading in films and they, were, and they weren't really leading in television. You had a few kind of uh, shows such as, uh, I think probably Charlie's Angels and The Bionic Woman were kind of around at that time. Yeah. Kind of action-y centered shows but they, they they were also centered on kind of fashion and glamour and you know that kind of sex symbol kind of thing and um i think wonder woman treated uh, the character a little bit more maturely you know it didn't sensationalize the fact that she was essentially wearing a bathing suit you know it did explore that kind of uh, that dual identity and so linda really was the kind of trailblazer i think for leading a television show and especially because um, she wasn't hugely well known. She hadn't had uh, an instruction to audiences in any other way, in the same way that um, Jamie Summers had been in uh, The Bionic Woman. She'd been introduced already in the, in the Six Million Dollar Man. 
you know, so audiences are kind of seen her already in, in, in a bigger show. Um, yeah. Linda, Linda kind of came out of nowhere and was kind of an unknown. Nobody really seen her before in, in, in you know, in a, in a lead. And um, she really did. You're right. She kind of trailblazed that, that, um, that sort of forerunning of, of, of women, you know, starring in, in, in sort of action centered roles. Uh, that weren't just you know women you know before that were probably you know reduced to like wives and girlfriends and perhaps weren't getting the roles that they deserved whereas you know here was you know Linda who was still very young at the time remember she was only in her early 20s at the time she did one yeah year, uh taking I think she the was lead. I think she was like in her 25 or something yeah 24 or 25 I think yeah yeah um, about that so, you know which is a huge deal you know even back then it was a huge deal for her to um not only land, you know, a uh, the lead in a in a television movie, but a, you know, the lead of a television movie of such an iconic character. I mean, wow, what an opportunity! So um, I'm glad that she, uh, I'm glad that you know, obviously everything she tried to do with the character totally worked, and then she set that that tone and trailblazed for for all the amazing women, not just in superhero movies, but all the amazing women in television and film that followed after her as well. <laughs> Do you have any other favorite characters still besides Wonder Woman, or is it just Wonder Woman? Um, in terms of uh, superheroes, or just the, or, or or anything, do you mean? Um, like any superheroes, really. Um, so I, the thing I like about Wonder Woman, and this is probably why you know one of the reasons I do like about Wonder Woman is that she didn't need to be spun off from a man, if that makes sense. I think you know, you yeah, think about a lot of the other main. That's one of the reasons why I like her too. Yeah, you think about, you know, it was her own creation. She was. She didn't need to be spun out of, you know, you have Supergirl obviously has come out of the success of Superman. Batgirl was born out of the success of uh, uh, Batman, Spider Woman, Spider Man. So she, Wonder Woman was kind of her own thing. Um, uh, but I, I would say that I, I think probably the, the characters, the superhero characters that I've always, you know, found more interesting and more enjoyable to read have always been, you know, women when they're done interestingly I mean that's not to say that just because they're a woman they're said you know they're going to be an interesting character they have to be written really well as well so um yeah so I've always enjoyed things like you know I've always enjoyed Batgirl stories and um, Supergirl I was never hugely into because she, you know for me she always seemed a little bit just like a female Superman which wasn't necessarily as interesting yeah um, I know I've obviously mean. I've obviously been um hugely into the uh WandaVision so uh I really enjoy the character of Wanda and uh, Scarlet Witch and what they've been doing with that character in the MCU. Uh, but Wonder oh, Woman, I love really that has, show. It's been I fantastic. love that show. That's fantastic. I still uh, have so. to watch the last episode. No spoilers, then. You know, obviously, this will be going out. This the, the, the last episode was on uh, Friday, but uh, it was a great finale. It was just so. It was just such a delight. To, uh, you know, a, a superhero show that could could blend that kind of superhero action heroics that we love and actually tell a tale that was really meaningful and deep and actually resonated with a lot of people. Um, I thought it was a sort of terrific, uh, terrific TV show. And it was, um, I was really happy that, that it'd been such a, a, such a success. Um, but Wonder Woman probably overall stands out for me. But across all the, you know, there's various, across all the media, there's, uh, there's characters I've really enjoyed. You know, I really enjoy Xena, Warrior Princess. Uh, I enjoy um, lots of characters in, yeah sort of retro cartoons you know I'm a big fan of Masters of the Universe as well for instance all those kind of 80s shows that I grew up with but Wonder Woman always kind of uh, has been my my passion and the main the main character and mostly I wouldn't really have any room to collect any other characters so I think I have to stick with Wonder Woman she she takes up enough space as it is same here <laughs> I started collecting Wonder Woman um in 2011 
I, wow. Yeah, what, 20, was first, what, what was the first thing you collected? Can you remember? Yeah, it was an action figure from the Justice League um, comic. Oh, awesome. And did you pick that up in a store? Was it in a thrift store? And how did you decide to start collecting? Did you just kind of on a whim just go, oh, I, I, I like that figure and that was the start of it? Or did you start, did you intend to start a collection or just saw a figure that you thought was cool? I intended to start a collection because at that time I was reading about the character and I was like, I was so amazed at how well, you know, I didn't realize how popular she was until I actually met fans and everyone who've liked the character. She had, yeah, she has always been popular. I think she's always, I think she's always struggled in the mainstream. And uh, as I mentioned before, uh, I think there was definitely times and periods where it probably wasn't really very cool to be into Wonder Woman. She was probably seen as a little bit uh, uh, less interesting than Batman and Superman. Her comic sales perhaps weren't, you know, weren't as big. She, no, you know, people weren't as excited creatively about telling, you know, the TV shows and movies around her. So she's always, unfortunately, often yeah. never been seen as quite as big or as, as quite as important and I think a lot of that as well is that she's she's often been badly written badly treated by the by the people kind of in charge of the book particularly um who never really kind of knew what to do with her you know you, you read um Wonder Woman books over the generations and you can see vastly different interpretations of the character where she's played as you know in she plays you know as a kind of a damsel in distress almost or somebody that kind of is doe-eyed over steve all the time in other times yeah. she's produced to the secretary of the justice league uh then in kind of the 90s she's kind of played as this kind of big-breasted tiny-waisted kind of bimbo sex vixen amazon warrior kind of thing um yeah so there's been all these kind of quite uh i think not great interpretations of the character or at least not what I think uh, the character is or, or what really taps into it so I think she's had this kind of up and down throughout her you know throughout her kind of longevity throughout her career but you know she's still here she's still you know fighting for our rights in her sight and tights she's still going strong and I think that's one of the key things of the character she does endure you know the very essence of her character uh, I think is just something that it just endures and resonates uh, with every generation she's not about you know, punching people in the face or big battles. Yeah. She, she is a, an Amazon warrior. So yeah, she does have that kind of, that sort of fighting spirit in her when she needs to, but, you know, she's also a pacifist. She's a, a feminist. She is um, somebody who would rather make peace than war. And I think, you know, this, she tells, you know, she has a lesson for every generation that I think resonates and that explains the longevity despite some of the, I think some of the, the some of the terrible incarnations of the character we've had over the years. Yeah. My least favorite era of Wonder Woman has to be um, the Diana Prince era. I really didn't like it so much. Do you mean the uh, the sort of the mod era from the seventies? Oh, um, which, which which era? Which era do you mean? I mean the era where she's like where she was stripped off her powers. Oh yes, 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 yes. So the yeah, that was back in the uh, the late sixties, wasn't it? In the early seventies, when they kind of revamped the character and. Um, yeah. she renounced she would yeah and that was it's kind of interesting <laughs> you know I think I think as a as a curiosity as a curio that storyline you know is interesting to look at in retrospect and I can see perhaps trying what they were trying to do at the time they were trying to present her as a, a regular woman and take you know and, sh and, and show that she could still be strong and powerful without the need for kind of magical powers and you know yeah. magical, uh, um, accessories etc 
I can see what they were trying to do, but I think in in um, in doing so, they kind of stripped away everything that made her an interesting person. You know, yeah. her Amazon heritage, Amazon sisters of Ireland was kind of spirited away into another dimension. And essentially, you know, essentially she gave her all this up for a man, Steve Trevor, who then was like killed maybe three episodes later, three, three issues later. So it all kind of seemed a little bit pointless. Um, so it was, it's an interesting era to look back on. And I think there were some nice ideas in there and it's kind of a nice era to look back on and kind of say, okay, this is maybe not how you do Wonder Woman. Uh, but yeah. I think it's very much it's it's very much a product of its time and the, and the, the sort of the politics and the, the sort of the feminist movement that was happening at it and that, that swelling of the feminist movement that was happening at that time, um, and I think this was just a uh, an attempt by and it was obviously guys that did this you know it was written it was, yeah this, this reboot was was done by guys uh, so perhaps if women had kind of taken over that reboot you know if they'd been put in charge of a you know of a woman if, it, if a woman had been been put in charge of the book at that time then. Uh, um maybe um it would have been a different maybe, story maybe it would have been a different story but i've read it i think it's really interesting i think it's kind of fun it's it's a little bit kitschy it's a little bit you know cheesy uh but it's an interesting interpretation i certainly think there's been worse interpretations of wonder woman uh, yeah. over the years um uh, and I, as i said i can see what they were trying to do i just don't think in hindsight and retrospect it really stands up very well but it's fun yeah that's true so um, um Oh, what you what were going to say? Your, well, I was going to say, what would be your favourite era of Wonder Woman then? Have you, I know maybe you, you, you don't have as much longevity perhaps as a character, but have you discovered an era of Wonder Woman that you really enjoy? Um, I actually enjoy George Perez. Absolutely, absolutely. A phenomenal. He just, yeah, just I, he nailed the character down to the bone. He really got her well written, right? It, just, it, was, just, it was just an amazing story. Absolutely, totally, completely respectful. He was utterly respectful and um, was approached it in a way that no other creator had, had done. And I know I talked about the fact that, you know, it was guys who kind of created this kind of new, uh, the mod era of Wonder Woman, but, and obviously George is a guy as well. So that's not to say that men can't write Wonder Woman. She's been predominantly written by men and often written incredibly well by a lot of uh, amazingly talented uh, uh, male writers over the years. George just did something I think that uh, the character had long been crying out for. And you'd seen touches of the mythology being brought in, but it was always a little bit campy, it was a little bit OTT. It, ne it, it didn't necessarily always, you know, historically and accurately and um, portray, you know, the, the, the mythology and kind of successfully weave it in. Uh, it, it always kind of felt a little bit bolted on. Yeah. You know, there was always a mix. They were constantly mixing up, you know, uh, Roman and Greek gods in there and the designs were a little bit kitschy and a bit cheesy. What George did, I suppose, was kind of dial that all back and say, well, what is the essence of this character? Let's tell the story about, you know, this uh, this naive young woman who finds herself thrust into into the into this kind of crazy, scary world, like this idyllic paradise existence, not really understanding who she is, where she is going, what her mission is, and those those early those first, you know, that that sort of first Aries arc, particularly, um, is is one of the strongest arcs of any character in comics i think and um, it just is so spectacularly well told and beautifully illustrated you know the entire creative team on that book you know i know george gets rightly gets predominantly the, the credit but you know there were some excellent writers len wayne uh, brian potter at the star were, were, were writing that as well and scripting it the colorists you know uh, and karen berger who was the editor you know guiding all that through was just um 
you know, yeah. rightfully, rightfully regarded as an absolute classic. And I yeah. remember getting that issue back in. That was probably 80, I think that came out in 87. Yeah, 87. I was about 11 at the time, and I remember uh, my friend's father uh, uh, brought, brought that comic for me because I'd seen it advertised in other comics at the time. And I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, this is so exciting. And he gave me that comic book. Uh, and I think I just read that over and over and over and over again because <laughs> it wasn't so easy for me to get comic books where we lived in, in, in England then. We didn't get comic books regularly. You know, we didn't have any comic book stores. They didn't really, we certainly didn't have any near us. So you couldn't regularly rely on getting that. You know, my local news agents had a sort of spinner rack where yeah. they would get random, where they would get random comics, and I would just buy random comics. You know, so I'd be reading comics. You know, in the middle of storylines, you know, Green Arrow or The Flash, anything like that. I didn't didn't care. I I, I didn't care what I was reading because I just loved comics. So I'd always end up kind of picking up this comic and thinking, I've got no idea what's going on here, but I was just so fascinated by the art of the the comic book, you know, the storytelling and the artwork, etc. Um, so it was, it, it did take me a little while to actually, to, to properly um, get a lot of those issues. Um, so it's a little bit sporadic. So I didn't actually have the opportunity to read every kind of issue. I maybe missed, missed them, but um, uh, later on, I managed to get all the issues together. But my goodness, that was um, spectacular. And, you know, still is, I think, the benchmark for Wonder Woman uh, comic books. Uh, yeah. Day, rightly, rightly regarded as a classic, not just of Wonder Woman, but I think of any, uh, of any sort of DC character at least you know it's, it's some of the strongest you know, strongest stuff that DC put out uh, great reboot and um, yeah just I just love that era so much I have the uh, I don't know if you've seen them the DC recently and um, in the last couple of years collected the the George Perez run in some uh, in hardback together. Oh, I'm trying to collect those myself they are awesome They're kind of recolored and they just look yeah, beautiful look and sharp they're just gorgeous I have the whole set of individual issues as well but those free um gorgeous yeah. they just do they just do it all so much justice it's so much deserved and the other one that I really love is the uh Phil Jimenez and I have his collection um uh, oh my god he was he was actually well. inspired by George Perez he was inspired by him he was, and you can see a lot of that. And initially, I think he was um, uh, his artwork is 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 beautifully detailed in the way that George does, but he has a very different style. Um, and I think it's very difficult to follow someone like George Perez. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think what Phil did was um, was kind of build on what George had done in terms of the beautiful, intricate detail and that kind of storytelling, because obviously he wrote it as well. Um, and brought his own sense to it and what Phil did I think um, so brilliantly and which is why I love Phil's run as well is because he brought his love of the old TV show into that comic book run yeah he threaded throughout that is his absolute love and admiration for Linda Carter particularly and that and that run of the character you know he brings in you know just yeah and, it, and he doesn't bring in it doesn't doesn't bring it in as a kind of nudge and wink to uh, to say, you know, oh, this will only make sense if you remember the TV show. He brings it in really respectfully and, and blends that in really nicely, but it's a nice kind of um, a little bit of a, a, a nod to the old 70s TV show, which he, I think he knew that a lot of that generation reading the comic book would, would be aware of. So we, we get the, the motorbike helmet and we get the, the swimsuit, etc. Um, it just is it's, it's a fantastic run. And um, I'm working my way through that hardcover at the moment because I, I wasn't able to collect the, the room when it came out in, in individual issues. So I'm really enjoying uh, his storytelling now. He's a fantastic, um, he's a fantastic storyteller, an absolutely incredible artist. And 
I, you know, I've said to Phil uh, on Twitter many times, you know, as fans, we were incredibly lucky to have another fan, as, you know, as big as Phil at the TV show yeah. on, on that book. You know, we were incredibly lucky to have him on that. Um, the other person I would love to, I, I think, never gets any enough credit is um, the artist that took over the book straight after George uh, dropped the, the artist duties on it. So obviously George carried, writing, carried on writing the book for, uh, for a couple of years after he stopped drawing it. And there's an artist who took over after George called Chris Marinan. Yeah. Um, who at the time, um, I remember thinking, oh, this art isn't as good as George Perez's. And I probably didn't really appreciate it as much. And later in later years, as I went back to the George Perez collections in the hardcovers that we just talked about, I really have a newfound respect for Chris Marinan. A, because how on earth do you follow someone like George Perez? Who on earth yeah. would, say, would willingly put their hand up and say, oh yeah, I'd love to take on this book after George Perez. Um, I think that's a huge, a huge thing to do. And he did it and he did it incredibly well. And his action scenes are so dynamic. And again, I think he was trying to uh, emulate that kind of detail that George put in and just add his own spin to it. So there was lots of artwork that he did and there's some great issues there where I just love going back and rediscovering some of the detail. It's maybe his artwork at the time perhaps wasn't as finessed as, as, as George's was, perhaps. But yeah, um, I think you know you go back and explore some of those issues, and you can see that George was um, was really writing stuff that Chris could 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 really get to grips with and get his teeth into. And there's some great action scenes. His work had a lot of dynamism to it, and you know a lot of energy. And uh, and I think Chris's artwork doesn't really get the the credit often it deserves but but I think you know he did a really great job picking up that baton from uh, yeah George Perez. and uh, I just want to give a shout out there to Chris Marinan because actually I think if we went back and analyzed his work there you know he deserves a lot more credit uh, yeah he does than he got so a uh, big up to Chris there as well yeah I always thought that George Perez's run in general was like you know the basis of everything that they've, they've done in for the future because what he started they use that as inspiration to write future stories yeah and I think what I think what he did with the book as well was not make assumptions about who was reading it and I think beforehand there was always an assumption that actually Wonder Woman was just a comic book for girls you know there was only girls that read Wonder Woman and therefore they kind of wrote stories you know that always had maybe a lot of focus on romantic relationships and yeah you know, um, there was kind of a lot that I think, you know, just made an assumption that really they thought only girls were interested in Wonder Woman and what George did. And you see that in, in some of the earlier stories, especially, um, was to say, well, hang on, why are, I don't think any girls and women are reading Wonder Woman. Uh, and so he added, you know, a lot of maturity. And I think that telling it as that fish out of water tale as well, which he did, you know, with Diana, this, who was supposed to be, uh, you know, he drew her at the time, probably as a kind of, 19 or 20 year old woman even though you know within, the, within that sort of comic book world she was thousands of years old um, yeah but he kind of drew as that you know that sort of slightly wide-eyed naive um uh, sort of country girl he'd left the country and come to the big city and you know was faced with all these kind of horrors that he'd never had to uh, to think about and I, I suppose that's hugely embodied and this is an issue that still sticks in my mind is the the issue called who killed mindy mayer Oh my God, um, that was a great, that was a fantastic story. Wasn't it just, it was just, I, I'd never, I never in my, and I read that again, that was probably, I was probably 12 or so when that issue maybe came out. And I remember reading it and thinking, gosh, 
I've never realized that somebody would write an, a story about Wonder Woman so adult and so dark and so mature and so heartbreakingly sad and that made complete sense within, you know, because Mindy, Mindy as a character was fantastic, it's interesting, but, you know, there was only so long that he would have been able to do anything with that kind of very acerbic sort of bitchy PR woman. There was, you know, there was only so, so far, you know, that it yeah. gone. And her story was so intertwined with Diana first coming down and discovering, uh, you know, herself and discovering the, the world it was so you know Mindy's story was so intertwined with that so that progression of that storyline made absolute sense and the way it ended was uh was obviously heartbreaking but I remember thinking gosh I had no idea that Wonder Woman would be this interesting because it wasn't that essentially wasn't a story about uh Wonder Woman that was a story about Mindy and it was a story about uh you know people's ability to kind of self-destruct but you were seeing it through the eyes of of somebody who just didn't have the, the world, you didn't have the knowledge or the experience to even comprehend how someone how someone could let themselves get to that state, you know, to, to find themselves so um, yeah. rock bottom, so um, uh, so spiraling out of control in their addictions. Um, it was just such a brilliantly told story. It was just so well done. And George tackling things like that, you know, I think was such a a rallying cry to say, look, this isn't the Wonder Woman of the 70s. This isn't Wonder Woman fighting guys in spandex costumes. And, you know, this is a Wonder Woman that's tackling, you know, real world issues and can be interesting in a way that we've never been able to do it before, while still telling an interesting story that includes all the sort of super heroics that uh, people wanted from a comic book story. You know, he still managed to create you know, amazing new origins for, you know, classic foes like Cheetah, like uh, Silver Swan. Yeah, bring in those elements, and that's the idea. Thinking about it as well, Ronnie. That's the other thing I love. He made it centric again. He made it female centric. You know, yeah, sense. You know, Julia Capitalis was in there. Vanessa Capitalis, Mindy Mayer. Uh, you know, you, then you had Barbara Nerva. You had uh, Silver Swan. You know, all the Amazons who played a huge part. You know, it was very, um, very female centric in a way that the book hadn't been before. Um, and that was acknowledging that you know you can have a book that is you know a female character uh, led by really strong interesting women that's still appealing to men and I think that's the mistake that people have made with Wonder Woman before is that they just assume that men didn't necessarily want to read that and of course they do they will read anything as long as you know people who read Wonder Woman want to read really interesting fascinating stories it's not they're not reading it just because it's a book about a woman um, exactly and so, Wonder yeah. Woman is for everybody you know that's she is she and is I think that's and I don't think necessarily she was always written that way or even all, always even approached that way. I think, you know, she she was often seen, you know, you kind of get the the impression that, you know, when you see interviews with some of the comic book creators, nobody really wanted her. And before the Perez reboot, obviously they were trying to reboot the character and they couldn't really get the talent on board. You know, people were clamoring to do Superman and Batman, et cetera, but nobody really wanted to do Wonder Woman, but probably because of the way that she'd been treated in the sort of the back end of the, the, the early uh, the 70s and 80s is that you know she wasn't necessarily seen as you know as a as a tentpole character like she is now um, yeah and it's such a shame that these people didn't want to do it and thank god george came and said i will do this character and get her off to a good start because you know he laid the foundations then for what was to what was to come now i don't think that everything that followed george you know in, in some of the late years i mentioned some of the stuff in the 90s which i didn't think necessarily did the character a great service but i think overall having George on that book and giving her that huge start, that huge reboot again in the 80s, uh, again, is, uh, is really uh, pivotal to where the character is now. And you can yeah. see as well that Patty's, Patty's mentioned that she looked at the George Perez stuff uh, and that was a huge influence. And, you know, she wanted to bring elements of that into the films as well. So again, 
you know, Linda Carter, George Perez, you know, when we're talking about people who might, like, you know, you know, huge influences on their character and where we see her now, I think those are, uh, you know, those creators, you know, George and Phil particularly are, uh, you know, yeah. to where that character is. Yeah. He, he did lay the foundation, George Perez, for future stories, but like you said, some of them weren't that great either, you know, some of the stories after Perez's run. Yeah, and I and I think so. John Byrne obviously took over from that, and um, uh, I've never hugely, I've never been a massive John Byrne fan, only because I probably didn't read enough of his of his other work to to you know to really have Same necessarily here. what he was. But I did start to read his early uh, the early issues of his of his Wonder Woman run, and it for me it didn't work. For me it didn't work. The artwork itself, I I I didn't like um, the writing. Um, was it, it just didn't it didn't grab me I, I think it's his interpretation of Diane it was so different to what I um, um, yeah liked about her that it just wasn't something that I kind of really had an inclination to follow any further and you know maybe um, if it's collected together I'll probably give it, give it another chance and sit down if I've got it all in one go I'll sit and have a read of it and and see but I think at the time I was like mm, this is necessarily where I want the character for me where I would like it to go so I'll probably take a pass on that book so I did kind of drop out of the comic again for a little while um, uh, I, I would pick it up occasionally to see where it was going and I started again with the the new 52 um, and I kind of persevered again with that for a little while but again it wasn't the Wonder Woman that I loved and this isn't me same you know, here saying, it's not me kind of saying that every interpretation of the character has to necessarily be something I love. I love the fact that she is so versatile and people have put a different stamp on her and brought a different lens yeah. to the character. But, you know, I know what I like. I know what works for me. And, you know, if, uh, I'm quite happy to just sort of let those other, you know, those other versions and those other interpretations be enjoyed by people who might enjoy them more than myself. I think it's, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's really uninteresting if you know you just do the same thing with the character all the time. So I'm completely down and open to these other interpretations, and I think they're really interesting to see. Uh, but they're not always going to be something that I'm necessarily going to throw myself into. It's the same with my with my collection. I've you know I have a reasonably sized collection, and I people always say to me, "Also, oh, what do you collect?" And it's I, I kind of had that thing where I know what I want to collect. So, you know, I don't collect certain things. I have a very specific view about what I like and what I don't want to collect. And that isn't to say that, you know, people who go off and collect stuff that I don't collect, you know, uh, I'm, I'm the same way too. You know, I, do you, I mean, do you have, so in, so in your collection, would you have things that you say, I don't want to pick those up or I'm only interested in certain things? Do you have like your parameters for your collection? Um, well, I, I usually buy stuff that I find that I think look interesting. Cause I like my I like things to be a little different. I like to. I have a lot of Funko Pops in my collection. Ah, that's interesting. See, because I um and I'm not anti Funko Pop, but I just don't collect them. I probably have like two. I bought yeah. the Funko Pop, the Funko Pop Invisible Jet because it was the Invisible Jet, and there aren't really many variations. There aren't many um, uh, actual Invisible Jet toys, so I bought that one. And I think I have like one of the movie pops, but otherwise I don't really collect them. Uh, oh, it's okay. <laughs> Not a lot yeah, of people exactly. like Funko Pops. Exactly, and lots of people love Funko Pops, and I get the appeal. I get them. Um, my, I, I do always kind of think, well, what did comic book stores actually put in the shelves that Funko Pops are in now before Funko Pops were there? You know, what they, what, yeah. what are they not stocking Funko Pops? But, I mean, but my collection is very specific. You know, I'm very much into the the original classic uh, red, white, and blue costume. So I don't collect variations, things, for instance, like the, the new 52 version, 
bit. Oh yeah, I get what you mean. Version. Um, I tend to collect really sort of realistic, realistic figures or images of her. So that's why Funko Pops don't really appeal that kind of overly cartoony ideal. Um, so most of my collection is variations of the classic uh, yeah. original outfit or uh, Gal Gadot, uh, the Wonder Woman movie outfit. I do have some other bits and bobs, but you know, most of my collection kind of centers around those sorts of figures. And again, it's kind of just, I know what I like, I know what I don't like. And, uh, it, yeah. it makes it easy because I just don't have, you know, like most people, you know, short on space, I don't have the room and my husband will kill me if I start adding even more stuff to it. Yeah. Um, so I, I have to kind of try and keep it as, and it's lovely because people when you when you're into something like Wonder Woman you know you might have this as well Ronnie is that when people know you're into something they just tend to just buy you that all the time so I just used to end up with an awful lot of, uh, of, things, of things that I wouldn't necessarily have bought myself um, or just things that I wouldn't collect and you know you always yeah. have to try and be nice and polite because I never wanted to seem ungrateful it was always lovely that people thought of me yeah. when they were out but yeah. I was just kind of, I was drowning in mugs and coasters and lunch boxes, you know, and all this kind of stuff. You know, yeah. I don't collect anything with just the logo on. I, I avoid anything with the logo on uh, because they're too offended or anything. Uh, but people would buy me all that kind of stuff, which is really lovely. I don't want to sound grateful, but, you know, I had to kind of try and politely kind of say to somebody, people, it's okay, you know, if there's something Wonder Woman that I really want, chances are I probably will have bought it myself. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of how I have to I have to sort of limit my um, my collection. Um, but you know, if anybody's listening and interested and wants to take a look at you know how I curate a collection, you know, if you go to my um, Instagram, which is at Wonderboy seventy six, yeah, um, there's lots of there's lots of pictures on my Instagram there of, of of my collection. I'd love to see pictures of other people's. I follow you know I'm in several Facebook groups around Wonder Woman collectors as well, and I love to see other people's collections in there. There is sort of cool vintage stuff that I don't have. Um, it's a, it's kind of a nice way of collecting vicariously through other people without necessarily collecting it yourself. And it's always yeah. fun to talk. It's always fun to talk to uh, to other Wonder Woman fans like yourself, Ronnie, and all the collectors. And um, yeah, it is. I'm sure you'll find as well. I'm sure you'll have the same experiences. Yeah, sometimes you can talk to people about this, and they just look at you a little blankly and be like, "You collect yeah. what?" Like they look at you like yeah like wonder woman of all things you it's wonder woman i always get that a lot yeah too. but nowadays ronnie i think we're in the cool club i think we were there before it was cool like i was collecting wonder woman stuff like years and years ago and it wasn't cool people would laugh at me go wonder woman she's dumb she's stupid what do you want wonder woman for whereas now obviously she's kind of like totally cool um so I think yeah we were, we were there before we were there first it definitely changed a lot <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> Um, you know, since you mentioned the new 52, I have to be honest, I really didn't like the new 52 Wonder Woman that much either. What was yeah. it? So tell me why you didn't like it. What did you, uh, well, the thing what, was your, what was your take? Yeah, the thing is, like, I felt like it wasn't her, you know, I felt like I felt like they were writing some, I feel like they took another character and put her inside Wonder Woman. You get what I mean? Interesting. Yeah, no, I, 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 I kind of appreciate that. Um. I thought it was like I mentioned before. You know, I'm really I love these different interpretations of character. I think it's really cool when people take up when, when people have a different take on them. Um, I just thought for the new Fifty Two, and I did start to read it. I started that book because I was so excited. You know, the hype on for the new Fifty Two was so cool, and going in on the first day and seeing all those you know first issues was really was you know it's a really interesting, uh, yeah. really a cool comic event. And I started to read the book um, initially. Um, 
but you're right. It felt, for me, it felt a little bit too far from the mothership. You know what I mean? It felt a little bit too far from what Wonder Woman was for me. Yeah. Um, I, I felt they were they were telling a really interesting story that for me wasn't what I wanted, wasn't in a Wonder Woman story I necessarily was interested to read. Now, I, yeah. you know, obviously, um, it got a lot of acclaim uh, that, you know, the, the creative team behind that book obviously are uh, incredibly talented. Um, yeah. I, I, my, my, my own personal view is that I didn't really enjoy their, uh, what they did with, with Wonder Woman. I, I didn't enjoy their interpretation of it, but I know lots of other people did, um, which is fantastic. And again, it you know, it was a huge buzz around Wonder Woman again. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was her. For me, it wasn't Wonder it wasn't Wonder Woman that I loved. And I was like, okay, I, I gave it a go. I tried. And this is the thing, you know, I don't want to just poo-poo something and just go, oh, that, that must be terrible without giving it a go. I did. Um, I yeah. Did collect that book for a little while but I would you know eventually I kind of say I'm really not I'm not loving this I'd rather just let this go and you know other people are clearly enjoying this let them go off and enjoy it that's you know it's great there's a different version of Wonder Woman that other people love um, even if I don't so um, yeah that was my that was my kind of take on it um, and it seems like you know the kind of new 52 stuff was then uh, kind of abandoned across the board a little bit as well. I don't know as much about, you know, how ingrained the New 52 was in lots of other characters. Actually, the only other New 52 book that I read uh, and um, then had to stop for various reasons was Batwoman, which was phenomenal. Oh, I love that. Batwoman was, Batwoman was fantastic. Batwoman. Yeah, it was absolutely incredible. It was just the artwork and the writing was beautiful. I'd never really seen or read a book like it. And I never... I'd never really, I didn't really know much about Batwoman at the time. I didn't really know anything about it. And she'd never been appealing to me because, again, just kind of felt like a little bit of a spin-off. I knew a bit about the sort of the Batwoman character as she appeared in different incarnations, you know, back yeah. in the 60s. But I'd, I'd never read, you know, any comic books with her in. But I was reading so much good stuff about it. And people saying, you have to read this book, you have to read it. So I did pick it up and it was just um, superb. It was just, you know, a fantastic book. And I wish I'd kept that up a little bit, but... You know, my finances at the time didn't really stretch to reading multiple comic books um, every month. Yeah. So, uh, but that was another one that I read. So again, um, yeah, the New Fifty Two didn't work for me. Um, didn't work so, for me either. But, <laughs> you know, that's that's the great thing about the characters that you can endure, you can survive. You know, interpretations that are different. You know, because eventually everything kind of still kind of circles back to that original idea about who she is. I think. Uh, and yeah. you can have these kind of little branches and these adjunct al adjuncts along the way that you know maybe just tell a little bit of a different story, a little uh, a little different interpretation, a way of looking at her, which is always fun, even if they don't necessarily resonate with everybody. Yeah, because I know a lot of people who actually enjoyed it too. But yeah, no, it's and I didn't I, that didn't bother me at all. You know, if you enjoyed, it, that's great. But it didn't work yeah. for me. The idea to. It what it, it wasn't. It, I, you know, my feeling with it wasn't. It was a bad book. I was. I didn't put it down. So, oh God, this is a terrible book. There were some fantastic ideas in there. It was brilliantly written. It, I think the artwork was fantastic. It was really that really grabbed me. But I think you know, I just want something different from a Wonder Woman book. Um, and you know, so it wasn't that it was a bad book. I just think as a Wonder Woman book, it didn't work for me. Yeah. But as a comic book. You know, it quite rightly got you know huge amount of praise and, and was singled out as being one of the strongest of the new 52 relaunches. You know, people were saying, wow, this is actually phenomenal. And, you know, that's that's fantastic. You know, that's my issue with the book wasn't that it wasn't creatively excellent. It just for me as a Wonder Woman book, it just didn't work for me. Yeah. 
So, like, when it comes to the Wonder Woman movies, how do you feel about those? Oh, I loved them. I loved them. <laughs> Me too. Um, and, it, and it was just, they were just so long coming, weren't they? They just, yeah. They they were, so... It was worth the wait for, for them. It really it was. was. It was. And um, I just wish it hadn't taken so long. But maybe, you know, maybe if we'd got something a little early, I mean, you look at some of the abandoned versions or the things that nearly came to be, the things that nearly happened. Yeah. You know, it, maybe it's, you know, maybe it's good that, you know, it did take that long for it to come to the screen to get it right and have someone like Patty Jenkins in charge. Yeah. You know, if, um, if you've seen the, the 2011 television pilot. You know, I again, did. If that, again, if that had gone ahead as a full series, maybe it's, maybe they would have finessed it. Maybe they would have got it right, but um, maybe it also would have killed the chances of, of getting the sort of version of Wonder Woman that we have now. It's, you know, it's could have, would have, should have, isn't it? We, you can't go back and, and say, well, if this had happened, maybe this would have happened. But I think maybe the the, the, the impact and the, the, the interest in Wonder Woman would have been a very different type of interest if that TV show had gone off and, and done what it had done. You know, I think perhaps it might not have um, led to, you know, the big screen version of Wonder Woman that we that we know now. Yeah, so the, I think the movie was was fantastic. I think the first movie was um, was, was just phenomenal because it had been so long coming. You know, um, there was a lot riding on it. There was a huge amount riding on it. Um, yeah, and Gal Gadot was really good too. Excellent casting, excellent casting. And you look back at the the internet chatter when she was casted. Yeah, a lot. It was there was oh. negative reception at first, but then after they seen what she's what she's capable of and what she can do. A lot of people's perceptions of you know her changed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you know, again, this is it's the it's the the, the uh, some of the things that were leveled at Gal were were kind of you know the, those sort of criticisms or those challenges that the character of Wonder Woman faced over the years, and that you know a lot of it was very gendered criticism. It was all to do with Gal, you know, with her figure, with the size of her breasts, with yeah, her, look, her eyes were the wrong color, and you know, <laughs> whenever they cast somebody, you know, they cast. Henry Cavill as Superman. When they cast Henry Cavill as Superman, he's this scrawny thing, you know, scrawny Englishman. You know, nobody sat there and went, oh, you know, he doesn't look like Superman because because people go, oh yeah, they can beat him up. It was like people have forgotten that you know a woman can go to the gym and she can build muscle and yeah, you know, pack on the strength and do all the work that a man would do in that role. And it was very frustrating to see that kind of um, um, that kind of gendered criticism of her. Now I can clearly yeah. understand that people had issues perhaps with her experience you know and her uh, perceived acting abilities I mean I was you know I hold my hands up I was somebody that I'd only ever seen her in the Fast and Furious movies and and let's be honest you know it wasn't like you know her um her her roles in those gave an opportunity to really flex what you know anyone would say was terrific acting her terrific acting muscles you know she was she wasn't amazing in those in those films but they're also that but also they weren't very well written films you know their, their emphasis wasn't necessarily on you know on great dialogue or character development they are action films you know are built, built around kind of set pieces like that so and um, perhaps she hadn't just had that chance to shine so i i agree i was one of the people that um visit you know her physicality wasn't the issue for me because i thought you know she looked very much like you know somebody that i thought would look would be able to to, to bulk up and put and put on the on the kind of the muscle mass and you know and, and get in shape for the film because she was incredibly skinny when she was cast and you look at her in the, the fast and furious movies and she was very very thin and skinny and perhaps yeah. not what people imagine wonder woman uh, would would look like um 
so in terms of you know what the producers of the film were saying that they wanted it to look like you know I, I thought well she's obviously going to be able to kind of pack on that that extra kind of muscle mass and and maybe look a little bit more like the producers wanted to look like but yeah. I thought her I was one of those people that maybe thought oh, maybe you know she, she's gonna yeah. I thought she's gonna look great is she going to be able to actually embody this so yeah. the important thing was not necessarily what she looked like but will she be able to um, embody that character and, and and embody that sort of spirit and passion and energy that and uh, empathy yeah. that Wonder Woman needs. And oh my God, you know, where she, she didn't get the opportunity necessarily to do that in Batman versus Superman. And I think yeah. that was, you know, she looked fantastic and she had a very small part in that in that film. But you know, yeah, she did. In Wonder Woman, you know, my goodness, you know, you really got the sense that Gal got this as much as Linda got it. You know, got yeah, understood who this character was understood what she meant to people and how she should be played and sort of yeah the, the empathy um she was also, i enjoyed the second movie myself too but you know there were some flaws in the film oh yeah absolutely but it was still enjoyable totally totally um it was a they made some interesting creative choices and yeah you know, they made creative choices that i don't necessarily understand there were some very problematic elements to do with that film i don't really understand the whole body possession yeah. thing trevor um and i also didn't necessarily think you needed steve to tell that story again um, yeah i think he i think it worked so well in the first one is because he made that sacrifice and it you know that that, that emotional moment that it's sort of emotional arc that, they told that story very well in the first movie and I think bringing him back slightly uh, slightly retconned that slightly went back a little bit so it, it did diminish the the, the the emotional impact of that scene in the first movie but having said that the scene when she has to say goodbye to him again in Wonder Woman 4 had me in absolute floods in absolute bits yeah I'll stole that so well um but I think as a as a movie for long I think it rewarded long-term Wonder Woman fans um and you can't just make a movie for long-term Wonder Woman fans, of course you can't, but I think they put enough into that to reward long-term fans. Um, to, yeah. For me to make that go, that was fantastic. I was disappointed that, you know, she was kind of depowered throughout, you know, half the film. Yeah. Um, I think Cheetah, I think they they perhaps should have just gone with one villain, either Maxwell Lord or uh, Barbara uh, as the villain. Uh, I think trying to cram the two in meant that Barbara yeah. was essentially reduced to Maxwell Lord's bodyguard and the cheetah I think deserves better she's a much more interesting uh villain and the sort of the, the she always was character. always you know and I think they could have taken a lot from the Perez uh reinvention of the character there her early incarnate the cheetah's early incarnations are you know looking back now are incredibly pro problematic they're rooted in uh in very yeah. uh, cliched interpretations of mental health um, but I think the version of uh, the Barbara Minerva that George Perez created there was was, was really interesting and really uh, 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 such, such an interesting female equivalent to Diana, you know, like sort of polar opposite, yeah. which are always the most interesting enemies anyway. And I, and I think they lost they, they lost that a little bit in the in the film. But Kristen Wiig was fantastic. You know, she played that really really well. Oh wow, she was. Well, she was she, really she was good. Funny. You know, she brought that kind of that that early humor that it needed and that sort of empathy you kind of you went with her journey a little bit and you could kind of see you know she went from this kind of slightly mousy uh dowdy unnoticed uh girl in the corner to you know this kind of ferocious yeah exactly apex, apex predator 
Yeah, I always felt she was always misunderstood as a character, not by the fans, but by in the storyline, in the story, in the comic itself. A lot of people would not understand what she was, you know, going about. Like, because like, like you said, she was always behind, you know, the curtain. And like, when she would branch out, people wouldn't understand, you know, like the, the characters in the comic book, they would never, she was always misunderstood by the characters. And I think as well, they try to capture a little bit of what the comic has done over the years. Obviously, when she started up in the press, we beat with Barbara Minerva, uh, yeah. the initial Barbara Minerva version. Uh, she was um, she was quite a you know quite a, not evil I say, but you know her motivations were not good. Her and Diana were were polar uh, opposites, and they and in, in many ways they always have been. But they yeah. have you know over the, over the years that that relationship with Diana and Barbara has always been one of kind of grudging respect you know they, they they've been they've been enemies they've been friends they've been frenemies they kind of work together they've they've always clashed um but there has been that always between them that kind of grudging respect that deep down yeah. that, that uh that sort of sisterhood between them you know yeah they you know they, you know, they do have a lot in common they do um, and that's always been a that's always what i think what's made the cheetah especially an enduring um, and enduring villain and, and again you know going back to what we were talking about with Perez before this is something that he set up the cheetah before that had been um you know perhaps a little bit more one-dimensional you know in the original yeah. in the original uh virgin when she's Priscilla Rich you know she has she's I, I, you know I think in those terms you know she she might have been somebody that was kind of either schizophrenic or bipolar perhaps that's certainly the you know looking back now and looking at it with a with a more modern lens is you know, it's perhaps how that version of the cheetah was interpreted you know where she would see yeah. hear voices in her head or see the, the, the cheetah as, as almost like a split personality yeah um, uh you know i don't pretend to know enough about any of those uh those sort of those mental health challenges but i think that's how she was done and you look back and it's a little bit you know it's obviously a bit clumsy and clunky and a bit problematic so yeah. Perez kind of introduced Barbara Minerva in a way that made her a threat. She was a threat, but she was a threat. You know what was the most interesting about that character? She was a, a, a huge threat before she became the cheetah. Uh, she was yeah. a threat because it was the first time, really, that uh, Diana had uh, encountered a woman who was sort of duplicitous and a liar. You know, if you remember the the scene in the comics, um, yeah. Barbara Minerva was a was an archaeologist and pretended that she has another version of Diana's golden lariat, the lasso, and wanted Diana to bring her lasso to her. Um, yeah. To and she pretended to be someone, a woman, you know, she pretended to be interested in uh, in Diana as a, you know, yeah. a culture and where she was from when actually what she was after all along was Diana's lariat. You know, she picked up, she took Diana's lariat with the, with the intention of stealing it and forgetting that the lariat would make her reveal the yeah. truth. And she blurts all this out in front of Diana. And that pivotal moment is when Diana, there's a great scene when she's on the floor, pulling pull her lariat together. She realizes that, you know, um, Barbara Minerva has lied to her and tricked her, but also that Mindy at the time had absolutely no interest in, in, uh, in bringing this meeting together from a cultural point of view to enrich Diana's experience. Mindy was trying to make a, a profit off it. She was trying to, uh, to PR it in a way. Um, so yeah. suddenly Diana feels, um, betrayed by both of these two women and it's a really interesting and a, a real turning point in the book and you you see before uh, Barbara's even turned into the cheetah full and goes after Diana you see what an actual 
what a threat she is, that she's duplicitous and that she's conniving and cunning and that her motives are really, really not good. So you amplify all that when she becomes the cheater and she becomes a real threat. She isn't just, you know, a woman in a kind of ridiculous costume, you know, with a couple of fake scratchy nails. She's an actual real, real threat with, you know, an actual motivation for going after Diana rather than just this, you know, previously she, she'd just have been motivated by being jealous of Diana's beauty or something, you know? Yes, um, yeah, she was she was jealous. She was definitely jealous. But at the I, same time, she was um she was also I always thought she was misunderstood though too, because a lot of people didn't understand a lot of people in the like in the, the the characters in the story wouldn't understand her too much. And she felt like an outcast. Yeah, absolutely. No, and and, and that's that like that is always that kind of um uh, anybody can relate to Barbara Minerva. If, you know, if you if you felt like an outcast when you were younger or in or with times when you were in school, yeah, you know, absolutely, she's absolutely. definitely relatable. And she, and over the years, definitely, you know, the, the, that relationship with her and Diana has always had those shades of grey about it. She's always been Diana's kind of opposite. Um, yeah. You know, in many ways, but there, you know, as I said, there is, there's always been that kind of feeling of sisterhood there. You know, I think Diana sees, I think Diana sees something about herself in Barbara, but also has that sort of nurturing, protective sort of sisterly relationship with her and she wants to help her she wants to uh she's always trying to reach out to her and you know they, yeah. continue, they continually clash and obviously in the um in the dc in the rebirth um reboot greg rooker was doing some fantastic stuff with the character there like really interesting uh stuff yeah that, elevated, that was a, that was another one i wanted to talk about greg rocker he was really good fantastic and again um you know we've we talked before about you know that a lot of men have written Wonder Woman over the years with some fantastic yeah. male writers. Some, you know, a lot of the men, there's been a lot of writers who are guys who just haven't been great. Greg, again, is one of those uh, guys that just gets her, you know, who's yeah. very different to what, what Perez has done. Uh, but he was very, I think he was an absolutely brilliant writer for Diana in this kind of new era, in this kind of new age. Yeah. Um, he brought a bang up to date. He brought uh, that kind of sensibility, that sort of modern edge. Yeah. But, the, the whole you know all the comics were doing um it didn't kind of keep her rooted in the past but kept enough of that essence of character that you know he brought through from previous incarnations so it did she didn't feel like a stranger obviously the entire run there was built around what diana believed was the truth and what we believe was as readers for the truth you know because we were obviously seeing it and discovering things as she did so it was real you know that was um, yeah it was real uh it, it felt like you were kind of almost watching this kind of brilliant tv show that revealed all these twists and climactic um uh sort of cliffhangers to it because you're like wow i had no idea that was that was coming and that's really clever and really well really well done and he had some fantastic interpretations there obviously of uh, new versions like veronica kale for instance yeah um so i you know really really amazing uh really um, again an amazing reboot you know we've been very lucky with the with the writers that often that diana's been rebooted with uh, certainly greg and um George Perez were, uh, we yeah. were very lucky to get those those writers who set her off on a you know set set that course off in the way that you know hopefully all the writers pick up with and then obviously people come along and take yeah. their, their interpretation of that and go for in other directions but I think she's she's often had very strong starts out of the gate which is fantastic you know she's always had yeah. really good strong themes behind it and the artwork there obviously Nicholas Scott just fantastic artwork oh my gosh she's amazing beautiful. and as to say obviously as a gay guy she draws. Uh, Steve Trevor, like he's the hottest Steve that's ever looked in that book. You know, she, I think she understood, <laughs> I think she understood uh, 
the the queer appeal of that of that book you know that you know she drew yeah. kind of you know a, a hot shirtless pinup so often I was like wow <laughs> um yeah he looks kind of hot in that book yeah <laughs> so before we close the show I do want to ask you one more question mm, sure um how how do you feel about Wonder Woman on a personal level oh yeah I know that's a tough question like on a personal level like so yeah money, so we go on. well how does she like inspire you that'll be the better question um I could easily answer this by just telling people to go and read the article I uh, wrote for GCN and perhaps you know in the 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 links or however you do that for the for the podcast you might be able to link to that piece because it you know it's um, yeah it kind of explains it really well but in a nutshell you know growing up as a uh, as a sort of shy sort of introverted gay child and um, you know when I first discovered sort of Wonder Woman it was this you know intense realization for me that I found a character that I actually really empathized with uh, and really connected with you know her message was about peace and love and harmony and yeah and, um but I think what was the most important for me was that was the dual identity element of the character, which we'd seen in other, you know, in other, you know, all the superheroes, Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne, you know, were other kind of well-known alter egos. But yeah. there was something about Wonder Woman uh, for me, and I think this is where the television show came in. Yeah. Uh, was that, you know, Diana was in the television show and in the comics, but predominantly in the television show, she was, uh, and, and in the early seasons, in the late seasons, this didn't really apply. But in the yeah. early seasons, she was, she was regarded by particularly her male superiors as um, yeah. weak, ineffective, unattractive, uh, incapable, you know, yeah. needed kind of needed hand holding, showing what to do, you know, go and sit in the car down and go and wait here, don't get involved. Um, you know, she was just, you know, people, people just underestimated it. Uh, yeah. I thought she was capable of very little because she was a woman, because she was kind of this, you know, dressed down and she, you know, they dressed her in the glasses and put her hair up, you know, Hollywood's idea of an attractive woman. Um, yeah. And, and she was played as, you know, initially even as, you know, a, a bit meek, a little bit kind of, you know, um, maybe not as, you know, as forthright as, uh, you know, as, um, as, as other characters in the show. And then obviously yeah. when she's needed, when the men are in trouble, you know, so this is a great, you know, when Steve is inevitably being, has been his head bashed in by a rubber rock or he's being kidnapped or something, she runs off, turns around, spins around and emerges as Wonder Woman, you know, her, her you know, beautiful, yeah. powerful, strong self who bursts into action and saves him. That, that process of her spinning around in a ball of light. I know initially in the, in the TV show, there was the light didn't, there wasn't an explosion it was just the kind of the, the slow motion striptease element that they that they had but later on obviously she she spins around in a ball of light which is what everybody remembers in the big thunderclap it was yeah. kind of, it was it was you know it's a sort of like a visual coming out of the closet you know she she went from quiet unassuming you know um under uh underestimated people didn't think much of her you know she wasn't really capable of very much suddenly she turns into a true powerful self because diana is a disguise diana is her trying to fit in diana's her trying to yeah um, and anybody can relate to that yeah to not stand out and as gay you know and as a gay kid you know you didn't want to stand out you didn't want people to know who you really were because that wasn't good you know yeah sort of early 80s when this would have been you know you didn't put your hand up and say you know i'm gay or anything you know you kept it to yourself yeah as a kid i did anyway 
So watching her kind of metaphorically burst out of the closet and become her true self was so yeah. inspiring to me. So, yeah. so inspiring to me. So I think for me, that was the that was definitely the emotional connection with the character. And then when yeah. I discovered more about who she was, who she stood for. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and let's be honest, she spins around and she turns into, you know, this fantastic, uh, beautiful, statuesque Amazonian woman in a sort of glittery bathing suit. And she, you know, she doesn't have, you know, weapons. She has accessories. And she has bracelets that, you know, that like yeah. She has a, a glowing black suit, a tiara that she throws as a boomerang. You know, she's, her, you know, her, her, um, uh, weapons are not they're not offensive they're defensive you know everything yeah. about her is you know it's sort of coming from that element of of, of only using brute force and she absolutely has to um, yeah and she just looks amazing in that outfit you know again we come back you know, just to bring it full circle as we're talking about Linda at the start Linda looked like she literally stepped out of the comic book page in that outfit you know the outfit was fantastic she wore it so well she wore it so um, yeah you didn't seem you know um, yeah it, she wore it like it was just something every day to her she didn't seem uncomfortable or, or anything it just she wasn't self-aware in the outfit at all it was just what she wore yeah that confidence that you know that um you know holding your head up high and knowing your own true power your own worth and helping other yeah. people that in themselves you know has always been you know such a powerful message for me and hearing Linda, you know, still embrace that element. And Linda's always been a big gay icon. You know, she's been a big supporter of the LGBTQ community as well. Yeah. Um, embodies those those things as well. She was at Pride, actually. Yeah, I, she's been Pride. I think it's 2011. She's been Pride Marshal, yeah. And she speaks, she's spoken at various, you know, uh, LGBTQ events, etc. And you, there's various interviews where she acknowledges the you know the power of the character for that community she's always been a, a you know a passionate ally um yeah you know i just i i just i you know i i thank hippolyta that you know she was the person that was cast because again you know we've been very blessed over years to have so many amazing creators on the comic book like george perez uh, phil jimenez greg rooker etc um in the modern yeah. era um but you know I don't think, again, just to go back to, you know, how we all started this conversation, I don't think we'd even be having this conversation talking about Wonder Woman in the way that we do yeah. now without Linda, uh, without Linda's interpretation and without Linda, you know, living, yeah. and embodying Wonder Woman as, as much as she has. So to see her at the end of Wonder Woman 84 um, was just, um, was absolutely perfect. It was such a moment for me and I think for many, many fans, I'm sure you felt the same. It just was this beautiful way of connecting uh, the, uh, the generations of Wonder Woman fans together and um, uh, and I'm just really blessed that you know there are people out there who, who get you know and, and love her as much as I do and I can have conversations like this with people like you about her yeah um, and, I've loved, and I've absolutely loved discussing and talking her with uh, talking with you about her today and yeah I'm glad so much for the opportunity to uh, to discuss that with her yeah I'm glad you enjoyed coming on the show today. I really, I had a fantastic time. Oh, well, thank you very much, Ronnie. And uh, I will look forward to, to listening to other, uh, other people's interpretations and, uh, and yeah. conversations with you about one door. It's always brilliant to hear other people. So I hope you, uh, I hope you have some really interesting guests uh, in the future as well. And yeah. thank, you very much. And thank you again so much for, uh, for your time. You're welcome. And thanks for being on the show. No, you're more than welcome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, 
we'll stop it here super oh that was awesome i love that yeah